A vicious cold snap hit New York in the first week of February 1897. But nothing could slow the preparations for the impending revelry. The city's wealthiest citizens were readying themselves for one of the most anticipated balls in the nation's history. An extravagant exclamation point on what would come to be known as the Gilded Age. During the Gilded Age, Americans feel quite certainly that they are the vanguard of civilization and progress. There's an enormous period of opportunity and possibility and hope. No group felt more confident about the future than the guests who would gather for the party at the luxurious Waldorf Hotel. The evening's total price tag, according to newspaper reports, was enough to feed nearly a thousand working-class families for a full year. Defenders noted that the ball stood to benefit the entire city. Critics begged to differ. With all the people, warned one minister, who have to lie awake nights contriving to spend their time and their money, and all the others who lie awake wondering how they may get food, there is danger in the air. It was a fractious time in which a sense of desperation amidst growing wealth was emerging. Increasingly, workers begin to say, if I, as a member of the society, lack the ability to pay my bills and to feed my family, then I am not a free citizen of a healthy republic. I'm something, something else, something that the Founding Fathers would not recognize. The magnitude of the late 19th century transformation of American society is hard to exaggerate. It was as if you, you woke up in one country and you went to bed in another. 30 years after the Civil War, America had transformed into an economic powerhouse. But the transformation had created stark new divides in wealth, standing, and opportunity. It's shocking for people to see a country developing before them that is increasingly clearly divided into the haves and have-nots. Gilded is not golden. Gilded has the sense of a patina covering something else. It's the shiny exterior and the rot underneath. By the time New York's elite gathered at the Waldorf Ballroom, the richest 4,000 families in the country, less than 1% of all Americans, had scooped up nearly as much treasure as the other 11.6 million families combined. We are the rich, one party goer remarked. We own America. We got it, God knows how, but we intend to keep it if we can. There is this fight over what is America's collective self-identity? Who are we? Are we two nations? The poor and the wealthy? Or are we one nation where everybody has a chance to succeed? Hello and welcome back to episode 56 of Waking Up With Mel. And today we are going to go prehistoric. Now, do you really realize what that word means? It means prehistory right? So we have the history, the real history that happened. And then we have his story that happened 
1887 at the Gilded Age. So we're going to begin there and then we're going to kind of go backwards a little bit. The Gilded Age. Do you know what that is? Because I didn't. So I'm going to let you know. And we're going to talk about the robber barons that went along with the Gilded Age. Because I found this to be something that everybody should know. If you are like me in history class, you might have been asleep. And honestly, good on you because you would have just been lied to anyway. So let's talk about the real United States prehistoric history and the history they wrote afterwards. At the Gilded Age, this term in the United States history is coined by Mark Twain. And it's used by a lot of historians to refer to a period of time between 1877 and 1900. And I want you to really remember that period because this is the period I truly believe is when they conquered the Native Americans that were already in the United States. So in order for you to grasp reality because we've been brainwashed with western you know indian cowboys westerns and teepees and all the things i don't think we really truly understand how advanced the native culture was in america as early as i can find which is around the 1300s around the 1500s or so a lot of people from europe decided that they wanted to explore over here and what they found they wanted. And after they came back about the third time, that's when war started to break out. And that's where in history, you'll see a lot of um, Spanish Indian wars. Some of the tribes joined Britain, some of them joined Spain, there was different countries that were trying to take over America at the time. So by 1877 to 1900 is when these robber barons basically were taking over these prehistoric buildings that were already there. And a lot of these prehistoric buildings you can still find in whatever city or state you live in. And even if it's a tiny city, because this all started for me when I went to this Las Vegas, New Mexico, the city of 13,000 people in 2023, and saw the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen in my entire life in their downtown and then lo and behold, there was a castle. So when I was told the story of this castle, I'm like, no, I'm not buying this, not buying it. So I spent the last probably three weeks debunking history and debunking when the, who they're saying built these buildings. And now it's just a joke to me. Why is it a joke? Because it really ain't funny. The joke is they try to say castles that have artwork that probably took on ceilings or on walls that probably took years and years to, to carve, took one year to make the whole entire building inside and out. So most of the people who are the robber barons who put their names on all these buildings or had an architect that they were like, you can put your name on this building. None of it makes sense. You can debunk it so quick. I'll get into a few examples of the two cities I grew up in. So I grew up in Boise, Idaho. For 21 years, I lived there, moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, lived here 22 years. And I finally woke up this year to the beautiful buildings around me and the ones in Idaho that I had never had eyes to see before, which it was mind blowing to me because they're right there the whole time. We're just so, we're just so dumbed down and it's so unfortunate. And it happened so slowly. It wasn't you know, don't blame yourself if you don't see him either, because it's just, 
it's just um I mean, they've tried to erase history. You should see Albuquerque downtown compared to 2023. It was much better in 1880s in the first pictures I could find than it is in 2023. The buildings were better, beautiful. It's just so sad they tore, tore all that history down. But they had to because if it was all there, we would start questioning, why is there castles in the middle of everywhere? Why are there so many castles? <laughs> because honestly, our landscape looked much like Europe's, but thankfully they didn't tear Europe's down like they had they did in America. And there's a lot to it. I almost don't know where to start, so I'm going to go all the way to the beginning. Let's talk Bible. We got to talk biblical here. In Genesis six four, God, Noah, everybody is addressed about the giants. Okay. You got to understand that the Bible that we have today, there are books left out. And if you are one of those people who will not read any book that was left out of the Bible because some religion told you to, don't quit being lied to. When it says in Revelation, the book of Revelation, do not add or take away from this book. They're talking about the book. John wrote the book of Revelation. He's talking about that book. Don't add or take away to the book he wrote. But he's not talking about the Bible in whole because it wasn't put together. And when it finally was, there was many more books in it. And in 1620, right around that time, the Roman Catholics decided we didn't need half that knowledge and took it out. And so now we're left with guess how many 66 books with approximately 40 different authors. And so the other 54 books or so that are taken out have a lot of knowledge that would really help the world not be so stupid. But instead, we, you know, we believe the world spins around 6,666 miles per hour. We believe that, you know, we believe all kinds of lies that we've been told because one, we don't even do real science, which is when you go up in an airplane, do you see the curve guys? No, I mean, lenses, everything has proved that we do not spin around. If you just do the science experiment and get a ball and put water on it and spin it, it flies off. If we go in a a fair ride and it, you know, looks like the UFO. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. It has these little like slidey things that go up and down the walls and it starts to go a certain amount. You literally can't get off the wall. Like you're glued to the wall and the bed starts going up the wall and down the wall as so we that's what would happen if we were spinning we'd all be stuck to the side of the world that's not the way god created it and god tells us in the bible that it's a firm found fat firm foundation and that it is the face of the earth so it's not flat either that's another big old stupid lie to keep people fighting it's the face it's biblical earth look up enoch look up look at the my podcast cover that is the earth as enoch described in the bible so anyways, we get to Genesis 6-4, talking about the giants. The giants were there before and after the flood. The conversation for the last 2,000 years has been how the giants continue on after the flood. And it's in the Bible. The genealogy is there. That's why God tells us the genealogy from Adam all the way to through Jesus and his parents, right? Because we have to understand that Mary's bloodline was pure, and that's how Jesus was pure. It's just a whole, the Bible is a beautiful book. It looks intimidating, but I swear once you start reading it, you will just, it will come alive literally to you and you will start to get excited and just start questioning things, start Googling things and start really diving in. That's how I started 
changing my whole life. You know, when I found out what God said about the opening the windows of heaven for the flood and realizing there's literally water above me on this dome globe firmament that he put over us and that he can open the windows to let it rain, to let it flood. It's it's just blew my mind. I'm like, wow, that's why the sky's blue. <laughs> so elementary, but it wasn't taught that in elementary. So then you get to when they get off the ark and it starts to talk about bloodlines and you get to this part in the Bible that a lot of people question, and I'm going to debunk some things because I did a TikTok about this and people, uh, the answers I was getting was none of it was in the Bible. I'm like, where are people pulling this stuff out of? And then I started reading like what people read probably on Google and it's, it's, that's why, because one, you know, one professor said this and another one said this and this debate about this and that, but what does God say? What's the Bible say? The Bible says that they got out of the ark. Noah grew a vineyard, vineyard. Noah got drunk one day, probably passed out naked. I don't know how he was naked, but he was naked. He's in his tent naked. And his son Ham sees him naked, mocks him by going and telling his brothers, hey, look at dad's all drunk and naked in the tent. Instead of the brothers going to mock him with Ham, they go backwards into the tent, cover their father so they don't seem naked. And then leave. Noah wakes up. He notices something. And that's the part where everybody's like, he noticed this. He noticed that. He noticed probably he was naked and hungover and covered up and like was probably like, what happened? And they probably said, hey, Ham was making fun of you. We covered you up. Sorry, dad. And instead of Noah saying, you're cursed, Ham. Curse, cursed be you the rest of your life. He curses Ham's son, which is Noah's grandson. His name is Canaan. And I, everybody's like, why would he curse Canaan? Well, maybe he saw something in Canaan, like six fingers, six toes. No one really knows. But he obviously saw something that made him say, oh, crap, here we go again. Cursed be this freaking kid because here we go again. So that means the Nephilim bloodline had to have come through Ham's wife. And then you get further confirmation about this when you start to read about Ham's kids and their bloodlines and the the countries they started and one of them is called the Philistines and when you read in the book of Samuel about this fight that David the shepherd boy had with this huge giant named Goliath they talk about his bloodline he was a Philistine and so if Goliath was a Philistine he had Philistine bloodline you can track that back to Ham okay so then we have to understand, because I don't think we really do, how much knowledge these people had. Because if you are half giant, half human, you have knowledge from heaven. And in the book of Enoch, that's left out of the Bible, and there's three versions, by the way, go with the Ethiopian one, if you're ever going to read one, talks about what the giants taught the humans. They taught them how to make weapons. They taught them how to war against God's creation, which was God's purebred people. They taught them <clears throat> spells. They taught them how to read the stars. Astro These people knew how to build. I'm trying to say, okay. They knew how to build buildings. They were no idiots. And however they accomplished that, I think to this day, we don't know. Because there is no duplicating the buildings that have been built from the time of Noah's children to when they took over the world in the Gilded Age and took over these these ancient buildings. So 
What happened is these giants, according to the Bible, according to Genesis, spread out all across the world. That means America, too. And you can find evidence of this when you really start digging in to what they call Native Americans. Okay. A Native American does not mean an Indian. I don't know why they got that term or how they got that term. I have not really looked into it. But what it means is they're native to this place, to America. They were here first, uh, before us, before anybody else. When I believe they were here be from pictures, from evidence, they created the same type of beautiful buildings and cities you will see in Europe. They had castles all over the place. They had places, you know, certain tribes were watching out, like just in New Mexico alone. In 1400, when they started exploring over here, they knew of 100 different tribes with 60 to 10,000 people that were already here in Albuquerque region and spread out. Okay. And they're not even exploring all of New Mexico. They're just exploring this section and they know of 100 tribes and they're blown away. They're so blown away, they call seven cities the cities of gold because they want to take all the gold that's in these places. And this is from New Mexico uh, upward towards Wichita. And the more I'm learning about the natives that were here, the more I'm understanding the the truth, the real history. So I'm understanding that a lot of these natives, some of them were Christian. Some of them believed in Yah in Yahweh. Some of them believed in the devil. And in many cultures and customs, they talk about those cannibals, the people, you know, the, the satanic worshipers, the, the people who sacrifice their children. Again, nothing new under the sun. In ancient times, we knew this was happening. We knew of Baal. We knew of all the things. Those things were happening here too. So since the beginning of Ham's generation, there has been giants on the world there's been evil and then there's, there's been God's children through Shem and I, I think Japheth too, which is so weird about Japheth, the middle kid. He's not talked about as much as Shem and Ham. But we know reading the text, reading what we have in the Bible, that there's definitely giants. And when we get to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they're fighting the giants the entire time. And that's when you start to understand the Amorites are giants, the Canaanites are giants, and there's giants in the land. Joshua talks about how they look like grasshoppers. So we have to understand these fortresses these giants would need. They would need giant windows, giant doors, giant everything. And you're going to notice that in a lot of old ancient buildings. They have giant windows, giant doors, giant they're just giant buildings. So some Native American tribes were definitely giant. No doubt about it, especially if you're going to read the Bible and believe it is truth like I do, because the Bible has never, ever, ever been disproven. And there's a lot of smart people acting smart out there in colleges trying very hard to disprove the Bible. And all they can do is say stupid things like, well, when Noah woke up drunk, he was he was cursing Canaan because Ham slept with his mom. Well, Noah's wife had pure blood. So that's not the problem. Ham wasn't and no nor does it say that. It does actually talk about when somebody slept with their mother and it was one of Jacob's kids slept with one of Jacob's wives cuz Jacob had several. It wasn't his mom, but it was Jacob's wife. 
and it was never okay, you know? And the Bible addresses all the gross stuff. It even addresses when daughters and Lot's daughters sleep with them. So the Bible's not scared to address gross stuff, and it will definitely do it. So if you have a assumption that's in, not in the Bible, you're just assuming, and that makes what? An ass out of you and me. So we have to listen to what's actually written. Okay, so with that being established, there's giants in America. Now, people get so hung up with Tartaria, and they think that all the Tartarians were the one with the free energy and the free this and that, and I beg to differ. Now, first, I want to tell you there's this town, well, it's a country, it's called Turkmenistan, and it, to this day, has the most incredible buildings, it free electricity, everything is still as it was. Nothing got changed there somehow, some way, I don't know how, but it, it's still like that to this day. But the funny thing about this country is you can't go to it, you can't go visit, you can't go get a plane ticket and visit the most incredible country on the planet right now. Because they don't want us knowing that this stuff even exists. Because then we're going to be like, why don't we have that? So here in America, I was looking at a map because I love looking at archives from colleges. They store all the archives. So if you go to like UNM here in New Mexico, you can find all the pictures from the 1800s, 1900s. You can find the truth. It, you can do that um, through the U.S. Congress. They have a lot of records you can see. You can do this through basically any college across the United States. The New York one has a great collection. So I've been doing this. I've been going through all these collections, reading all these things, questioning, like just trying to figure it out. What's going on? And that's when I started to notice we too had free, not just oil. There's free oil all over the place. There, there was free electricity. There was free, um, I believe, cars. I believe everything was around. The one thing that really trips me out are the airships. Um, what happened with those is basically they were used as transportation to fly across the country. And people had them all over. And once those got taken over, they even were doing tours around California. And like they were using them, the general public. But then the army started using them in the wars, and then they blew one up. It was called the Herrenberg or something like that in front of everybody, much like the Challenger, and then started telling everybody the Challenger is a spaceship, if you don't know that, uh, shuttle, whatever. It didn't kill anybody. We'll do a podcast about that. All of those astronauts from the Challenger are still alive. So anyways, um, the they took that technology away as well. So what it looks like from everything I can see, all the pictures I can see from the 1800s before there were power lines. Some people are like, those are phone lines. Either way, there wasn't supposedly power or phone lines. They had all this technology, oil, trains. They had most cities had trains that ran through the middle of town. These people, these these ancient people were very smart. They had been building buildings since you know, Babel, they built Nineveh, they built, you know, Solomon's temple multiple times. They've, they, these would Jesus walked around, we picture him walking around in like the ghetto. He was walking around probably in the most beautiful time of history to the, to this date. And we don't see that because that's not what the movies portray. They portray everybody poor and shacks. That's not how it was. These people were rich and the buildings were insane and the rich you know, the, the 
people who are trying to spread religion are the ones who killed Jesus. And people need to understand that too, because religion is the fastest way to hell. That's why God sent Jesus. It was like, if you think about the Trinity, it's so confusing, but you got to think of God trying to be in all places at all times. Like he's in heaven, he's here on earth and he's spirit, like he's everything. And so we, in order to manifest, he, he comes as Jesus. Like we have to understand how lied to we've been. So Jesus is walking around in incredible times and it, it's just incredible. He dies on the cross, rise, rise again, goes to heaven. He's around on the earth 40 days. If you've never read the Bible, he didn't just go back up to heaven right after he rose from the dead. He was hanging out for a while, 40 days to be exact, before he ascended back to heaven. And when the end times come, God's people are still protected. So I don't know why, you know how many people get on my page and say, repent, the end is near. I've been hearing that since I was born. And you know what? None of us know. The Bible tells us that. But what I do know is I'm not to fear any of it. I'm not gonna. Because fear is a liar and fear will take your life faster than anything. Anything. So we have this, this spreading of the gospel. And I believe from the testimonies that I've heard that the gospel had spread to America by the 1300s because Native Americans were setting up big, huge, beautiful churches in the name of God. And yes, there was big, huge, beautiful worship, satanic worship places too. I've seen both, but they were becoming ministers. They, they were knowing the power of God over here in America too. So I found this map in the New York collection of 16, I think it was 01, but it was the early 1600s. And that's when they first started exploring and Columbus had um, been here already once. And so it said Columbus, America, it had California written down and then the city called Cuba, Q-U-I-V-U-A, I think, or I, anyways, I did a whole TikTok on this. And once I started to dive into the city, I realized it was this ancient native city that was um, sending supplies coast to coast, exporting, importing, like these people were incredible. They had incredible places they lived. You can Google wherever they say they're from. You can find the evidence of their existence in all these little tiny, tiny towns. And that's, that's where this really started getting pretty deep for me. And I'm like, wow. So these natives weren't just naked in, in teepees. Their, their culture was incredible and they literally had it stolen from them from the seven right around the 1700s and it was completely taken from this from the native american people by the 1880s this gilded age these robber baron jerks let's get into what the definition of the robber baron term and how it got coined and started being used you won't hear of this term in America until the Gilded Age. And right at the Gilded Age, they use this term to describe the successful industrialists whose business practices were often considered ruthless or unethical. This includes a list of robber barons. So Andrew Carnegie is one, the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, the 1%. Those are the robber barons. And as you start to tear down the research in your own cities, you will start to see 
that every single one of these that have their name on a university, on an institution of any sort, stole it. And you will find that whatever architect they say built these buildings, not only built that building in one year or two, I haven't seen one higher than four years, honestly. Amazing, beautiful castles that probably took 50 years to build. They're saying took one to four years. And they're saying the same architect that drew the plans and some of them even built the buildings with a population of basically nothing at the time that they're being built. <laughs> it's such a joke. Uh, built the same exact buildings across the United States at the exact same time. Some of them stayed in the same city, but most of them were all across the United States, all involved with world fairs these architects, most of them anyways, the first beginning ones that are claiming these big, beautiful buildings. And the funny thing is they didn't need the buildings after they built them in one to four years, beautiful castles, because they tore half of them down. They're not even around anymore. It's just insane. And the World Fair is a whole nother thing we got to get into because I really believe that was like, hey guys, hey Lee, let's go show everybody what we have and what we're about to take away from the American public and make them pay. Because that is exactly what happened. After they got full control in the 1800s of every single territory that was Native American. And don't just think Indian. Think rich, elite, wealthy, Native to America people. Some giant, some not. Some Christian, some not. And when I say Christian, believe in Christ, they didn't have quote unquote religions. The Catholics started all that over here when they took over with their Roman Catholic crap. And again, religion, the Roman Catholic religion is terrible what they did to these Native Americans in these boarding schools and what they even did to my mom or my, my mother-in-law. Like these people were not of God. They were of religion. They were of force and that's not God. God forces nobody. That's why he created us to choose. We can choose what we want to choose. But let's throw this out here real quick. When Jesus came, Jesus said to the people, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one, he didn't say except for you, John. He said no one will get to the Father. That's that's God, the Father. He, he said who his Father was all the time, except through him. And that's why people try to tell other people about Jesus so much. Because who in their right mind would lay down their life? I, and, and you got to mind you, Jesus, not, not he did not, when he was here in the flesh, not necessarily wanted to go through with that. He knew he came for that purpose. But when the time came, time was up. He was like, yeah, can we let this cut past and can we do this another way, God? Because this is, I'm not looking forward to this. I'm not looking forward to being arrested, beat down, spit on and treated like complete crap but I'll do it if this is what we got to do to save the world and he did it and not only did he do it when he was at that last breath of this human existence before he got to be back to the spirit back connected with God again he said forgive them not for they don't know what they do and these are people who just spit on him I don't know anybody like that most people are like that guy spit on me I'm gonna poison him that guy you know, stole this. I'm going to still this times 10. Like people have revenge mode going on, especially now. I've, I see more good and evil clearer than ever before. You're either on the right side or you're not like, it's so clear in this moment of time. It's so clear. 
And it's so cool to see this full circle. And that's what I hope to bring you at the end of this podcast is that God is in control. And this history that we're learning here together, it it happened for whatever reason it had to happen. But we're in a time where it's not going to ever be the same. It's not going to ever be the same. In 2012, there was a shift and the great awakening started and everything these people, this 1% has done to control, to enslave, to, to manipulate is not working anymore. And we're in what's called unprecedented times because nobody knows what the heck's about to happen. And everybody wants to say, well, in the past, the stock market did this and in the past, well, in the future, we don't know. Because God's the only one that does. And he gets to choose the timeline. And Satan's over here trying to like hurry it up because he thinks he can change the outcome. But God already said what the outcome is. I don't know why I don't know why he even tries to change it, but he, well, I mean, I guess if you know you're you got one more shot to try, you might as well try all you can with all the minions that will jump on your side and worship that side. So What happened is after these robber barons took over, and this was a slow process, this wasn't like an overnight process, they started claiming the, the big buildings, the big towns, the big cities, they started, you know, real estate markets and, and selling the buildings. And then the person they sold them to, they would say they built them. And it's just, it's such, it's, it's hilarious. So once I discovered this map of the 1600s and then I discovered the natives and then I discovered their buildings and then I discovered how smart they were and then I discovered the only reason we thought they were, you know, imbeciles is because we were programmed that way and the only reason they were naked and not in their clothes is because that's what they did to them and they wanted us to see them in that light and in that way. And then I started to realize how they got all these children and, you know, incubator babies they had slaves and they can do whatever they experiment they want or if a woman goes into labor early because she's in bad conditions and can't eat and they take the baby and put it in an incubator and then go sell it at the state fair or the world fair in chicago for six months i mean and then they have coney island don't get me started on that these epstein islands were around since coney island and all these islands there's there's so many islands that we should even we should do a whole podcast about islands for heaven's sakes and they took everything that was beautiful that the natives had now think about this too when you ever listen to a native speak they don't look at things as especially land as owning the land they look at it as uh keepers of it for the next generation for the next generation so when they built these oil you know refineries and they had these big beautiful buildings with some of them their own electrical plants when they had hydro water and power and all these things to all these buildings they weren't charging for it because nobody was greedy nobody cared they all shared in the wealth and that shows true to tribes this this tribe i'm going to share with you at the end of this podcast that came they actually were able to to rebuild and do what they did the first time twice and they ended up killing this entire tribe. It's crazy. I'll, I'll play that at the end of this podcast. But um, when these greedy Rockefeller type one percenters came over and saw all this, they all they saw was money. All they saw was greed. All they saw was control. And they wanted to take it. And that's eventually what happened. And when they finally got the control, you'll see in old pictures 
these power lines go away, these big rods on top of all these buildings go away, or and most of them get flags on them, which is such a joke. It's like, let's take over this building and take this power rod and put a flag on it. They didn't have flag poles back when they built these buildings. They didn't have flags. They didn't have terror. They weren't like that. This whole flag thing came about when they're like, this is mine. Put my flag on it. Yay. You can't have it anymore. <clears throat> so I started researching downtown Boise because I want to know who that belonged to. I'm like, who does this one belong to? And all you have to do go is go back and research native history or prehistoric history. Isn't that funny? They call it prehistory, prehistoric. I used to think that was like cavemen. Now I don't even believe there ever was cavemen. I think that's just another lie. There's, and if there was cavemen, they were very sophisticated cavemen because they were here in New Mexico anyways, forced into caves because they took their beautiful towns. Well, they weren't called towns there. Any, they were called territories. They took their territories, kept moving them, lying, moving them, killing them until they had them all. And by the way, if you love Abraham Lincoln, I want you to know that he killed the most Native Americans in U.S. history. To this date, he had the biggest, largest execution of all time. As, let's let's hear about that. Let's hear about this little piece of history. We'll pick back up with how they stole the rest of this Native land in Boise and in New Mexico. Those are the two cities and states I am going to reflect in as Boise, Idaho and Albuquerque, New Mexico, because I have debunked both of those cities and their his story and the pre his story. This is the story of President Abraham Lincoln ordering the hanging of 38 Dakota men. They were shackled and chained together. They had hoods on them. The women began wailing and weeping. One of the prisoners in a loud voice said, Hear me, my people. Today is not a day of defeat. It is a day of victory. For we have made our peace with our Creator. We now go to be with Him forever. Remember this day to tell our children so they can tell their children that we are people who die and over death. Do not mourn for us. Rejoice with us. It's a good day to God. lifted up his voice and began singing. I'm going to do my best to translate what he was just saying in that song because it's beautiful. And, um, you know, I, it took me about five minutes to collect myself from bawling my eyes out because that video that I just played you, they showed, they actually recorded that hanging and, um, it's devastating. It'd be a devastate. It's a devastating day in history in American history, pre history, great spirit, great mystery. The things which are thine are powerful and numerous.
the day after Christmas on December 26, 1862, following the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862, the federal government hanged 38 members of the Dakota tribe in Minnesota on Abraham Lincoln's order. It was the largest mass execution in United States history. As the control was being given over more and more to these wars, they were taking over these buildings. And as I stated before, they made these once castles into prisons and insane asylums. And that's why every single one of them, you will look back and they are all beautiful old castle-like buildings converted into prisons. And some of the prisons look like castles. And then the insane asylums never existed. Neither did prisons because you know why? There were no delinquents when you're all free. When there's nobody poor, there's nobody stealing. There's They had a whole different program. So after they started locking up the men, Alcatraz, like we stated last month, or last month, last week, was um, a prison for the first 19 that they got over there in that region. Uh, men, some of like we said, were hung. Others were uh, tortured. Others probably they used for slaves to to get the technology or the skills they needed for whatever they needed to figure out because these people weren't smart enough to do anything but still kill and destroy because that's what evil does and that's exactly what they did to God's children since they took over America and what's crazy is after they did what they did to the Native Americans and all their tribes and all their people they started taking away their culture. They made them learn a different language. They made them put their kids in boarding schools. They made them cut their hair for food. They made them do, I mean, they made them give away their children, you guys, to live. This is how bad it got. And that's, this is where history, I see repeating itself over and over and over again with these same Gilded Age dudes. So when they came over and they finally got away with this and they made that statement at the beginning of the podcast, we took America, we don't know how we did it, but you know we want to keep it. Well, they have until now. Now time is up for those who are corrupt. And I see this with the way people talk because they're like, well, in the past, the stock market's done this and the economy's done this and, and they're trying to predict the future based on the past and that's worked. That's always worked. But right now, because we're in unprecedented, unprecedented times that have never happened, everything they've tried in the past to control isn't going to work anymore. And they tried it during COVID, right? They had everybody locked up in their homes. Then they had everybody mask up their kids for no reason. Then they had themselves masked up. I mean, the brainwashing is thick. And I think they thought it was thick enough that they weren't going to have any problems taking the old world back. Okay, let me stop right there. Understand that when they got here, they found what I call the old world. It was there, it was old, it was ancient, and they wanted everything that was there. The gold, the oil, the, the houses, the buildings, they wanted it all. People fought for their land. Of course they would. Why wouldn't they? I mean, somebody come to take your house, wouldn't you fight for it too? Right? So they finally get full control. And it took a while. And it took a lot of deaths. And it took a lot of hangings and a lot of making, you know, examples out of other people before this control finally happened. When they finally got the control, the people they stole everything from was basically moved to the 
no there was no hope basically for this for the success they had because it was barren dry desert land where they couldn't grow their crops they were just robbed and to this day the mentality is like that with the natives in new mexico and as soon as they realized that they made the best part of what new mexico was they can make it the best part of what it's about to be again and just because this happened in the past doesn't mean we need to fight about everything because i could see so many people being like the white man and the like it's not about i'm white and i think these white guys are assholes i it's not about the color of the skin it's about the heart where's the heart at and a lot of these natives because they were so trusting were able to be robbed were able to be uh taken down very easily but once they started to understand that this is war they warred and they worked hardcore for their lands and in Boise, Idaho, the Bannock and the Shoshone Indians to this day have not given up the valley. And all those old buildings downtown were the natives. And they all had power, and they all had water, and they all had everything way before they said so. And that's why these natives would set up along warm springs, along places where they could access the water, where they could get the power, where they could do these things. And when these one person took over, they took down everything that was free so they could put it back up and charge you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sure did. And we have been in a bee slave system ever since. And, you know, I really didn't understand that that this history repeating itself started so back, like way back in the late 1800s in America. I thought it was in the 1960s, you know, but no, they had it perfected by then. And you guys, if you think World War II was the first concentration camps, it wasn't. It was with these natives. They, Those natives were the first the orphan trains, the first boarding camp schools, the first insane asylum practice on this one. These girls were probably raped. God knows only God knows what happened during those times. But the stories I hear are absolutely heart shattering. They they don't just break your heart. They shatter it in a million billion pieces what they did to these women and these children after they killed their husbands. It, it, and these people had communities. They had tribes. They had governments. The women were just as powerful as the men. There was no none of that crap going on. Like they we've gone backwards since 18 since the Gilded Age. Since they stole everything from everybody, we've gone backwards as a society, as a whole, because we've had to fight just to live since then. The basic people, the the 99% of people left down here at the bottom because the 1%, they didn't have to fight at all. They controlled it all. And when you control everything, you have nothing to worry about. You can you, They controlled who lived or died, depending on who was going to fight back. It was very simple back then. A little poison, a little... No, you know, people were so trusting, like it was so easy. So I told you I'd talk a little bit about downtown Albuquerque or Albuquerque. And what I found out with Albuquerque is there were a hundred different tribes in New Mexico in a, in a little section that was explored by the Spanish in the early 1400s. They found these, these tribes. And they acknowledged they were rich and powerful and, you know, had buildings 14 feet high and all the things. They call them pueblos, 
which I find interesting. I, I don't know the definition of Pueblo, so I guess I should look that up real quick. Whenever I heard the word Pueblo, I always just thought of a ghetto, but it's not. It's a North American Indian settlement of the Southwest U.S., especially one consisting of multi-storied houses built by the Pueblo people. So these people, they have big, big homes since the get-go. And they just said, in the, when they explored these, these towns in New Mexico, they found over a hundred of these different Pueblos. Okay. So a hundred different towns or settlements with multi-story buildings and Albuquerque was one of them. And when they finally got full control of this, that territory in the late 1800s, they took pictures and those pictures are in the UNM archives. And I spent three hours yesterday looking at over 200 pictures and my mind was blown because my little theory here was more than proven looking back at it through time. First thing I saw was on Gold Street. There was a picture of these big, huge buildings, but there was also a picture of a big, huge, what they called Plain Indian, P-L-A-I-N, like the plains. And this sucker was a statue that was carved out, sitting there for God knows how long, probably the statue of the town. And it was huge, as huge as the entrances of all the buildings of these little tiny white men in suits standing around this empty town. So then I Googled the population of Albuquerque and I was like, what's the population of Albuquerque in 1890 or 1881 of the two? It, either way, it the population didn't even start in Albuquerque on these census records until the late 1800s, 1890 for Albuquerque, I believe it was. And it was 3,700 and some change. So they're trying to tell me 3,700 people built the beautiful buildings that they're showing me all downtown in the 1800s. And then they try to say Albuquerque didn't get power to most businesses and homes until the 1920s and the phone line didn't get, you know, get invented till the late 1800s and wasn't in most people's homes until the early 1900s. And I also question how the hell are they saying the phone came before the power? Isn't that like the egg before the chicken? I don't know. Chicken before the egg. Like, does it not make sense? It's like the power and the phone lines. It's the same weird scenario. So... Either way, you start looking downtown Albuquerque because they had a parade when they took over Albuquerque. And you can see power lines and you can see street lights and you can see evidence that it's a very sophisticated downtown area. And you can see old and new stuff. So you can tell when they first take over a region or area when you start getting into your towns, start to notice awnings. Before the buildings are taken over, no natives used awnings. They probably had no need for it. They were used to the culture, the sun, the heat, whatever. Like they were used to living there. They didn't have awnings. But when the white people come over from Europe and they take over the Native Americans' towns, they start putting awnings on these buildings. So that's a huge sign the building's been taken over. And you can kind of date the pictures with the awnings. Another thing you can date the pictures with is they start to destroy buildings next to the building. So let's say a building standing to this day, if you start to notice the scenery around, you'll start to notice these buildings coming down, not up, not the opposite. Not, they're not getting built. They're getting torn down. And then you'll start to notice these, the poles that I talk about that are on the top of the buildings that are really, really tall. 
I was actually driving down downtown central today and I noticed um, that a lot of buildings still have those poles on them and no flags. But a lot of when the takeover happened in downtown Albuquerque, you'll see the flags now on those power poles. You'll see train lines or roads usually in the beginning of when they found the cities and they use the train lines in the middle. They're like little trolleys. It looked like is actually smarter than the art system we have now <laughs> in downtown Albuquerque. They built this bus system about gosh, six, seven years ago. And it is the dumbest system I've ever seen that bus is wrecked in the middle. They put the bus in the middle of the road, right in the middle of traffic. They took out one of the lanes. So now the traffic gets backed up more than ever. <laughs> they made the lanes where it looks like a drunk person like made them they swerve all over throughout the it's called old route 66 but i call it downtown central and when the people took it over from the natives it was called a railroad road but anyways so central railroad road and old route 66 now is the biggest joke it's ever been so they have this thing called the art bus they closed down tons of businesses during the construction of this the person that funded it basically had his wife's company I'm not going to say what one it was, help build everything. And then she booked out of town with him after the bus was done or after the businesses were destroyed. There were some survivors throughout that. But, oh, what a mess. And now still every single day they're like tearing up one part and doing another because people keep turning in front of the bus and wrecking and it's just so stupid. But anyways, Albuquerque had to look like a pretty comprehensive uh, system to get around town back in the late 1800s. It's pretty fascinating. But when I saw that statue at the middle of town with like six white guys in big buildings, I was like, this is such a takeover. This is so obvious. There's 3,000 people here and they're trying to say they built these buildings. There's no way. Speaking of statues, I was looking at the World Fair pictures in the Getty's images today. And I started in Chicago because it was in the late 1800s. And I didn't realize there was world fairs all across the world. And basically what these fairs were is when they had taken over all the native cultures and all the native people and drove them into what they called territories, what a lot of them call concentration camps because they all were starved to death and murdered. They then took over all their buildings, all their technology, all their gold, all their everything, you guys, I'm not kidding. And had fairs to show it all off before they took it all away so we could all pay for it. Now, one of these pictures has a statue of Native Americans and it says the allegory of America. And because I didn't know what the world word allegory meant, I went and looked it up and it says a story, a poem or a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral or political one. So at the World Fair, they're showing exactly how this all came about, the real allegory of America. It's so sad what happened to these native cultures. And as I watch these documentaries over and over again, I bawl my eyes out every single time because they're still broken to this day. To this day, in 2023, they are trafficking Native Americans right off the streets of Albuquerque to Arizona, and they just did a news report about it. And their culture is broken. They're spiritually broken. I'm going to play you something I just heard on the documentary about the 38 um, chiefs that were murdered by Abraham Lincoln. 
who later freed the slaves. Come on. I have no respect for any president except for Donald Trump. That's the only one. The only one they didn't want us to respect is the only one I actually respect. And I have that right to do so. Because all these other ones were part of this. Abraham Lincoln could have changed the world at that moment in time. But he didn't. He let them be murdered. 38 men in charge of the natives that created the world that we all live in now. They stole billions of acres from these people and every single town that we live in in the United States was stolen from them. I don't know how to fix it. I just know that we need to share it and we need to talk about it and we need to wake up to the truth because the truth can change the future and we can heal because there's a lot of natives to this day that are racist towards the white man and I don't blame them. And we can't continue. They can't heal like that. They can't heal with racism. They can't heal with hatred because we didn't do it. But we can all acknowledge who did and we can all acknowledge the fact of what happened. And that's the only way to heal our lands. We have so much bloodshed just here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in the city I live in. I finally understand where this feeling of oppression comes from, why this can't quite get cleaned up yet, why we are here right now. It has been uh, almost 100, almost 200 years and it's time for it. The awakening has begun. We're here. So I'm going to end this podcast with a few more testimonies. I'm going to start with um, what I just told you I was going to play. I'm going to play you a little bit about that tribe in Oklahoma that was able to stay successful after they were their land was stolen from them and they were moved into a different area. They were able to actually uh, rebuild until the white man killed them again. Yeah. <sighs> There's so much to the story that I think we're going to have to talk about it for a few weeks. So I hope... You're ready to wake up to the truth about what America was, what it became, and what we, we're going to get it back. We are. And once we all get that attitude back that this world belongs to the creator and we're just taker, caretakers of it, that we can be peaceful with each other, we can. this world will change. And I'm excited to be part of it. I, mean, I don't want this ride to end. I want to keep, keep this ride going because this is the only time I ever felt how happy and because back home it's really hard and makes me feel good writing for for my people and our people suffer from something an elderly woman a full-blood Dakota from where I'm from in Crow Creek I was with her one time and uh, a lot of bad things were going on, a lot of bad things. And I had asked her, uh, why does this always happen to us? Why do we do these things to each other? Why does it always happen? And she didn't say nothing, she was driving a car for a while. I looked over and she was crying and she said in her language, Ioki Shicha a deep embedded genetic depression. See our people at one time, the Dakota people are, are all Native Americans, had a very strong connection with the Creator, a very strong connection with Mother Earth, a very strong connection with nature, the forces of nature, all living things on this planet. And all this was taken from us like that. 
lost this connection with everything that we had. That's where this depression comes from. A lot of our people are severely depressed and they don't even know it. This depression is just now clinically diagnosed as the same thing soldiers suffer from when they return from combat. They'll help out, so. When they marched the 38 to be hung, you know, they marched um, to Manicato, and then after they hung them, they buried them in a mass grave, and the doctors from the local area, they dug up the bodies and used them for science. And I grew up in Minnesota, and I had no idea that there had been a hanging of 38 warriors. And then the boarding schools, of course, to try to turn all the Indians into white people, and their spiritual ceremonies were illegal until 1978. Maybe U.S. white America will reach, or maybe is reaching, the point where they can start acknowledging what really happened in this country. They can acknowledge the massive land theft, three billion acres within the continental United States. Maybe they can acknowledge the broken treaties, over 400 of them broken and violated by the United States of America and its U.S. Euro-American citizenry. Maybe they can acknowledge the genocide that occurred. 16 million native people within the continental United States, around 1,500. And by four centuries later, 1,900, the U.S. Bureau of Census said there's 237,000 left in the U.S. What happened? I seriously cry every time. And what happened is we've been lied to. They were murdered just like the Jews in World War II, except for their murderers are our presidents of the United States of America. And it is time we wake the hell up out of the sleeping slumber we've been in and realize the real truth and who this land belongs to is the creator. And if we all start stop being greedy and start respecting humans again, we can change this world. And if we wake up to the lies, we can take all these liars out of their seats that they've been sitting in all these years. It's not that hard, guys. There's more of us than there is of them. But we do need to wake up to this truth. And we do need to wake up to the, this land that we live in. This big old buildings that are all around the United States of America weren't built by some strange Tartarian nation. They were built by the natives, the natives of America. And they all have names and they all have tribes. And you can dig down deep in whatever state you live in and find out who they were. Because you were not taught in school who they were. You were not taught whose lands you live on and who they were stolen from. Do I have the answer to how to fix this mess? No. But God does. And it starts with awareness. It starts right here. All right, guys. I'm going to say a prayer. And then I'm going to end this with the testimony of this tribe I want you to hear about in Oklahoma. Father God, I thank you so much for the ability to podcast, for the ability to spread this news and this information across the world, Lord, so we can know the truth and so the truth can set us free. I pray for healing in this land I live in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I pray for the healing for all the natives that still live here oppressed and depressed. Lord, I ask that they find who they really are and that they start to raise their voices and rejoice at who they are, that they're no longer ashamed of, of their Indian 
um, culture and that they're beautiful humans and people that, that can change this world again. They are the ones that made America great, and they can help us make it great again. We can do it together, Jesus, and I pray that we do. And I pray you show me how to do that here in the state I live in. I thank you for all the listeners today and all the people out there, and if they have any needs or wants, that they lift them up to you because you are the the answer, and you will answer their prayers. And, Lord, as these natives have prayed all these years for um, us to be aware, Lord, I just pray that their prayers are answered, that the cup of prayers that have been lifted up to you all these years now come down upon us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Recently, I was able to read the book Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. I had not heard about it previously, but I saw it at a bookstore and bought it because it was about the 1920s. I found out later that not only was it acclaimed, it is also currently being made into a film by none other than Martin Scorsese, so the story is especially relevant now. This is a story involving Native Americans, oil, conspiracy, and murder, and it's going to be a wild ride. In the early 1920s, the Osage tribe in Oklahoma was in a unique position to say the least. Like so many other Native American tribes, they had been forced off of their land during the Indian Wars of the previous century, and sent to live on a reservation in the middle of nowhere, on land that seemingly provided nothing of real value. Until one time, it did. The Osage negotiated with the U.S. government over their tribal lands, which resulted in an agreement that the Osage would have the rights to any minerals, including oil, gas, and coal, that were found on the land. Of course, it was expected that there would not be anything useful. A lot had developed in the U.S. in the nearly 50 years since the Osage had begun living on their Oklahoma reservation. One of the biggest changes was the massive boom of the automobile industry. To fuel this industrial monster, a lot of oil was needed, and the Osage got very, very lucky. A huge amount of oil had been discovered on their land, which was now their legal property, and it seems like there could be no blatant violation of property rights by the white man as in the past. The Osage became very wealthy, leasing the land to white people to get the oil, and the money was distributed to all members of the tribe. The Osage enjoyed a high standard of living, in sharp contrast with other Native American tribes on other reservations, even having white servants under their Osage employers reversing the racial hierarchy that had been established and perpetuated in the rest of the country. Even compared to well-off white people, their newfound wealth was staggering. However, there was a catch. Most Osage tribe members were considered legally incapable of handling such a large amount of money, for no other reason except that the fact that they were seen as ignorant Indians. This required them to have someone, almost always a white man, oversee their finances. They couldn't always freely purchase things, though many still bought things like automobiles. Although there were exploitative overseers, there were also white allies of the Osage, who were considered protectors in a sense. One of these people was William Hale, a former cowboy who had been with the Osage since before the oil boom, and was probably the biggest benefactor in the community. He often donated large amounts of money to schools and the local hospital. Hale called himself a friend of the Osage, and signed his name with the title Reverend at the beginning, not because he was ordained, but because he was such a positive influence on the community. 
A few Osage women who had married white men thought themselves fortunate because at least their overseer was their own spouse. These men were a bit less colorful than Hale, but were also seen as reliable for the safety of the Osage's financial interests. Among the Osage was Anna Brown, a young woman recently divorced from her white husband. Anna took her share of the oil money and lived the quintessential flapper life, dancing at parties all night and going to clubs, and she had also developed a liking for bootleg liquor. While her lifestyle was slightly looked down on by older tribe members, there didn't seem to be too much harm in it. In May 1921, Anna went missing. At first, the family assumed, or hoped, that she had simply gone out on a lengthy dancing and drinking binge, perhaps in a city in a different state. But that theory was dashed when, on May 27th, about a week after she had gone missing, her badly decomposed body was discovered near a creek, blackened, bloated, and worm-infested. Upon autopsy, it was discovered that Anna had been shot in the back of the head with a small firearm from above, execution style. The only evidence that had been found at the scene was a bottle that had probably contained illegal alcohol and two sets of tire tracks. Anna had two living sisters, Molly and Rita. A third sister had died years before from a strange illness. Molly was married to a white man named Ernest Burkhart, and Rita to an Osage man named Bill Smith. Their mother, Lizzie, was of an old breed, who was suspicious of the newfound wealth, and more content to continue with the ancient traditions of the Osage. Despite Anna's rather reckless modern lifestyle, she had been Lizzie's favorite daughter. Less than two months after Anna's death, Lizzie would also die, many thinking it was from heartbreak. Very shortly before Anna's disappearance, a young Osage man named Charles Whitehorn had also been found dead, with two bullet holes in his head. In February, some months later, an Osage man named William Stepson also died unexpectedly. And things would only get stranger from there. You can find the full 27 minutes of that on the 1920s channel on YouTube, but I will also put the link below. But basically what happened to this tribe is um, terrible. They had all these, it's like Britney Spears with the conservants. I almost I don't even want to mess that word up but anyways it's like Britney Spears where they had the parents in charge of all our money and they would send her out to work but they got to keep her money same thing here and these white guys didn't even care about their wives and would murder them because they got the rights and to this day people who do not deserve the rights to those oil rights because they're never sold they're only inherited need to get those pulled out pulled out from under them so the, things like this is what needs to change. Like the fact that these white dudes still have the rights to these natives' oil rights because they murdered family members? Mm-mm. Not okay. Shouldn't happen. Needs to change. Along with many other things, but this is, we'll end with that. Uh, we're going to pick up next week with more about God knows what he'll put on my heart, but more about truth, more history, more reality checks that we all need. Okay. Have a good one. Love you guys. Bye.